Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A Million Other Choices is a true crime podcast, and as such, we do discuss some dark topics that might be triggering for some. As you are a true crime listener, I support you in your curiosity. However, having lost a family member to homicide, my message is always to remember not just the victims, but the families and friends left behind, and also the officers, detectives, and prosecutors that work tirelessly for justice. There are links to make monetary donations in the show notes, but more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and press that fifth star on your listening platform to help me grow the show. I hope you enjoy the following episode. And welcome to A Million Other Choices. I'm your host, Kim. Interestingly, I could not find very much coverage on today's case. This is just another one of those stories that it just, well, after all my research, two trials, Um, I still have questions and the story just sort of confounds me. I just don't understand how some people like how they can do the things that they do. They can do bad things and then just act really casual about it. I can't even jaywalk without worrying about winding up in a Mexican prison. I am anything but calm under pressure. I consider myself a good friend Um, And I'll tell you to your face if I think you need to question your choices, but I am not the friend that you call if you have bodies to bury. I will squeal like a pig stuck in a light socket. This case is also another example of just how some people are just not what you think. This is the murders of Sabrina and Amanda DeVito. Giuseppe DeVito, who was the son of Italian immigrants living in Montreal, met Adele Sorella in elementary school in Laval, Quebec, which is a suburb of Montreal. They started dating when they were 16, but they didn't decide to get married until they were 30 because they wanted to start a family. 
Giuseppe, who Adele referred to as Joe, was doing really well in his career. He started a motorcycle sales uh, and car rental, and I think it was businesses. So I think he had a string of businesses eventually that he built up. Um, So they moved into a rather lavish home in Lavelle. And on September 13th, 1999, they gave birth to a daughter, Amanda. And 18 months later, on March 7th, 2001, another daughter came along, although she was three months premature, named Sabrina. During her pregnancy with Sabrina, Adele was diagnosed with a tumor behind her right ear, which caused her to lose her hearing in that ear. But she refused surgery until after Sabrina's birth, because she said that the most important thing to her was to give birth to Sabrina because she just wanted her so badly. So after Sabrina was born, she did go and undergo the surgery to remove the tumor. And that surgery was successful, but her recovery was very difficult. Uh, So she was left only able to sort of partially close her right eye. And the doctors did consider putting like a weight, this is kind of gross, putting a weight in her eyelid to help it close properly. Uh, She could only ingest liquids, which she had to drink through a straw. She kind of lost her sense of balance. She had some, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I keep wanting to say dementia. She didn't have dementia. It's that um, vertigo, vertigo. That's the word I'm looking for. So she had a sense of vertigo. Uh, And then she was left paralyzed on the right side of her face. So she couldn't smile anymore. Um, And of course, losing her smile really did a, did a number on her. She was always a very happy person and to just lose that was devastating for her. So she began this very difficult and long rehabilitation. And at the same time, she started to just not feel right. She knew that there was something wrong, but she didn't really know what it was. Um, it sounds like it was the beginnings of uh, some depression. And so it was more than two years before she could actually properly look after her daughter's So during that time, there was a few cracks in Adele and Joe's relationship. She says about what she describes as her mental illness after the surgery, quote, his reaction was I was being lazy and I didn't want to take responsibility. But Adele really seemed built for motherhood and was devoted to her girls, making sure that they wanted for absolutely nothing. They had every toy you could imagine including like actual arcade games every new video game that was out and Sabrina's room um, she had a very ornate bed and she was the type that she had everything surrounded stuffed animals all around her she was you know a little untidy at times and her one of her teachers described her as a firecracker of a girl who liked to make new friends and dance and laugh now, her older sister, Amanda, was a bit more subdued and reserved, and her bedroom was much more neat and tidy, having a few strategically placed posters of her favorite crushes on her bedroom walls. And Joe was a devoted father as well. Um, although work was keeping him very busy, he would do his best to make it home for supper. Uh, and if he couldn't do that, he would at least ensure that he was there to give to give the girls a bath before bed and then would head back out to work. Now, Sabrina had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and she was told that she was going to be on medications until she was at least 16. But together, they kind of looked around for some alternative treatments. And so what they found was this, um, one of their friends had a hyperbolic chamber. So they would take her over there for treatments. And then eventually, Joe bought them their own chamber for, they kept it in one of the, one of the playrooms. I guess they had more than one playroom in the house. And Joe would actually sometimes get into it with Sabrina to sort of comfort her while she was in there and read her stories um, while she received her treatment. And Adele says that they would both come out feeling very energetic and invigorated. So those treatments appeared to be working for her. But in early 2006, things were beginning to kind of break down and become a bit more strained between Joe and Adele. So they had a really big argument over this really extravagant purchase of some very high-tech security camera system that Joe insisted on installing. Having It has cameras everywhere, uh, all over the house and the yard, capturing every detail of their lives. And Adele insisted on knowing like why he felt so insistent on having them, but she never really did get a good reason for it. 
And then the relationship further deteriorated when Joe started to, you know, the thing. He arrives home a little bit later, later at night. Uh, his excuse was that he was preparing these motorcycles and cars for a trade show, but I don't think Adele really believed him. And when she confronted him about the possibility of him having an affair, but he always denied that. Early one November morning in 2006, eight police officers came pounding on the door of their home saying that they had a warrant for the arrest of Joe. Apparently, a shipment of 1,300 kilograms of cocaine was intercepted coming into the Pierre Elliott Trudeau International Airport in Boucherville on a plane by police under Project Colisey. Project Colisey was a large combined forces special enforcement unit investigation that resulted in the arrests of six Montreal Mafia leaders and dozens of their associates. The police oper operation targeted the goings-ons of the Rizzuto family. The Rizzuto family has been suspected of being an organized crime family based in Montreal since the early 1970s. Niccolo Rizzuto married the daughter of Sicilian Mafia leader Antonio Mano and moved from Sicily to Montreal in 1954. After this police seizure, a big brouhaha broke out over the shipment being intercepted because there was arguments within the mafia about the security and some preventative measures that should have been taken regarding the flight that the shipment was on. And there, lots of interesting mafia stuff happened, but you'll, you'll have to watch Bad Blood, which I think is still on Netflix, uh, about that because I'm not going to get into what who did what and involving myself in organized crime stuff by talking smack about them. But one of the men involved in the shipment and who managed to evade capture was 38 year old Giuseppe DeVito. When the officers arrived and told her what they were there for, she told them they had to have the wrong person. There was no way her husband was involved in organized crime. And in her words, it was not the person I knew, but Teresa de Cesare, who was Adele's mom, was suspicious of her son-in-law and had been for a few years. After one night, he'd come home smelling of smoke, like cigarette smoke, and she had told him to go and change and shower because she didn't think it was good to have smoking anywhere near Sabrina, who was an infant at the time. And then Teresa then asked Adele, like, why would Joe smell of cigarettes if he didn't smoke? Adele just kind of offered this vague explanation that he'd also worked at a bar. And it turns out about the same time, DeVito was actually working underneath Paolo Gervaisi, who was a strip bar owner. Now, he had been killed in 2004 in what the police believe was kind of this conflict with the Rizzuto organization. And the RCMP had evidence that Joe resented at that time the Rizzuto organization for Gervaisi's death. But it was somewhat questionable that Adele didn't know or at least have some idea of what Joe was into. But anyways, at that time, Joe took off Toot Sweet, went on the lam, leaving behind his wife Adele, Amanda, and Sabrina. So during the four years that Joe was going to be on the run, as it turns out, both Adele and Joe admitted later that they had seen each other and talked to each other on at least a couple of occasions including um, spending Christmas together in the Laurentians. And then one time he came home in a disguise. And one of the times when she saw him in Toronto, she tried to convince him to turn himself in. And during all of these communications, uh, of course, Joe claimed that he was innocent and that he was only staying on the run, on the run to try and clear his name. But he had also left behind a Blackberry at the house. And that's what they used to text each other on. And then all of the trips that they saw each other on were organized by Joe's brother, Nicholas. In December 2006, so only a month after Joe's departure, Adela attempted to die by suicide. She said, quote, Joe leaving was the straw that broke the camel's back. Her brother Luigi said that she became kind of like a zombie and, and paranoid that people were now after her, uh, after her, Sabrina and Amanda. And at times she was actually completely unable to get dressed. She couldn't look after the girls. He says that um, she lives, but not a normal life. He said that he just thinks that she just never recovered from Joe leaving. She was having so much difficulty that Teresa actually left her own home where she was caring for her own, for her own husband to move in with Adele and the girls and help them sort of through that time. 
Adele did attempt to die by suicide on two other occasions, but she seemed to be doing a lot better and was on some antidepressants. And according to Teresa, things were going considerably better by 2009. Adele at that time had taken back over care of the girls completely. She was arranging appointments for Teresa and for her father. Adele and her family sort of tell it that she was devastated to learn about Joe's ties to these shady people and that he'd left her on her own and that it was really hard to cope as a single mom. But I think a lot more of it had to do with the fact that very shortly before Joe left and all of this thing went down, that she learned that he had a mistress. On the evening of March 30th, 2009, now as was the nightly routine, Adele's brothers Luigi and Enzo came for dinner at Adele's house, bringing along with them Adele's father, the girl's grandpa. They went for dinner at uh, Adele's place every night, including with his father. He's, uh, Luigi said that everything seemed very normal, nothing out of the ordinary. Enzo said that everything seemed fine. After the dinner, the girls performed a little show for her uncles and grandparents, complete with dancing and singing. The next morning, Teresa got up around 8 to get ready for her day that involved or was going to involve she was going to check in at her sister's house on Sherbrooke Street in Montreal and then she had a doctor's appointment that Adele had set up for her at 11.30 so the plan was she would go to her sister's Adele would drop the girls off at school and then she would meet her at her sister's in Montreal at 11.30 and take her go together to her doctor's appointment Uh, So she made the girls breakfast, including a little bit of warmed up milk with a touch of coffee, a latte macchiato, special K cereal and some S-shaped cookies just for fun. She packed the girls lunches, left them on the table. Now, in her later testimony, she said that the girls were dressed in their school uniforms and that really nothing was out of the ordinary. But then she she says that when she said goodbye to the girls and wished them a good day, Uh, at school they said that that, no they had a doctor's appointment and they weren't going to school and then she kind of remembered that oh right one of them had an issue with her teeth the other one with her ear but as grandmas do sometimes she gets a little bit confused and her actual story isn't really clear she told the investigators later that same evening that Adele was going to take the girls to school and pick her up at her sister's and they were going to go to that appointment together like the original plan but she her later testimony when she testified that that the girls had a doctor's appointment as well and weren't going to school. Now, she says the confusion was because what happens during this day uh, that she wasn't able to think straight, and I'm kind of prone to believe her about that. It doesn't matter anyways, because no one made it to school or any appointments that day. But the girls were dressed for school, so I think she's confusing the appointments. I think that it was an ordinary school day for the girls. But by 11.30, Adele hadn't still hadn't shown up to pick up Teresa, so she called both her cell phone and the home phone, but she couldn't get any answer. And then when Adele finally called her back, she said, you know, like, Ma, we missed the appointment. I can't come now. So Teresa then just finished going about her day, and she so she stayed at her sister's place for the bulk of the rest of that day. That afternoon, Luigi received a call from Adele, and he got really concerned that maybe she was thinking about suicide again. Now, he said it was just sort of a feeling that really the message only really said, I need you to come to the house. But uh, it was likely her tone that made him think that something was definitely wrong. So he called his brother Enzo on the way over. But when Luigi pulled up to the house, he noticed that Adele's car wasn't in the driveway. uh, And then he found Enzo just waiting outside the house in the yard, just petting the family dog waiting for him. So Luigi unlocked the door with a key that he had gotten from Giuseppe's mom, and they walked inside. All the lights were off, and at first he just thought nothing really looked out of the ordinary, and he just kind of got the sense that maybe he had been blowing it out of proportion, and everything was actually fine. Because when they walk in, in the entranceway, they have two like cushioned benches that are on either side of the wall in that entranceway, and the girls' winter coats and boots and stuff were just strewn all over the place, and their school backpacks were sitting side by side. But he did notice that the lunch boxes were still sitting on the kitchen table, and then the house was really like cluttered and disorganized, despite the fact that they had this lavish home with really nice furniture. But this was normal for the DeVitos. They seem to live like the most of us do. Like they had this kitchen organizer hanging on the wall and it's just completely overflowing with papers, craft materials, toys scattered here and there. You know, they live like normal people do when they aren't expecting guests. 
Uh, but then he noticed that the TV was on, um, playing kind of low in the girls' playroom. Now, this playroom was on the right of the entranceway when you first walk in. So it's on the main level. That's where he saw Amanda and Sabrina laying on the floor. Uh, they were laying face up and they weren't moving. So right away, they phoned 911 and Luigi was started to try to do CPR. He was getting instructions from the 911 operator to do CPR. And it just so happened that Teresa arrived just then. And when she first pulled into the driveway, she was like really happily surprised that her both her, her sons were there. Um, she thought maybe they'd come for a surprise visit. But then as soon as she got into the house, she was, of course, completely horrified to discover Luigi and Enzo like hovering over her, her granddaughters, um, trying to get them to breathe. Teresa actually had to be taken to the hospital to be treated for shock after she'd found her granddaughters. She said that um, she did touch them and that they were cold, but she just couldn't wrap her brain around the fact that they were they were dead. She said it was a, a situation she never found herself in in her life, and she just couldn't describe it. So when she got to the hospital, they just, I mean, she says, she describes it like they handed her basically a handful of pills, and she couldn't remember getting from the hospital to the police station where she had to answer some questions um, about her day leading up to this discovery. So this is kind of why I think that her story wasn't quite straight between the interview and the testimony. I don't think she was she was lying in any way I think and and the the small details that she'd gotten wrong I don't think were that important to um, how this story goes Valerie Danas was a police officer in Montreal she was on parole that day and she uh, parole <laughs> she was on patrol that day when she got a call of an unconscious child not breathing and so on her way to that house actually a second call came in that there was actually two children involved so she kind of knew it was this was going to be a nasty one so she had her partner call for backup now when she arrived at the home she saw the man at the entranceway who would have been Enzo just told her to hurry and there was a woman that pointed to the playroom and just said in there and that would probably be Teresa I'm assuming uh, but she said the two of them seemed really calm and quite poised, which she thought was a little bit strange. She said, quote, it wasn't what you would expect for two young girls who were unconscious. In the playroom, Valerie said that there was, Luigi was basically on the phone getting these instructions for CPR. So she told them to leave and that they were, they, her and her partner took over the CPR. But she says that she noticed right away that the positioning of the girls seemed really bizarre that it looked like they had been placed there like it didn't look like they had just you know somebody gets sick or isn't feeling well that they just fell there it it literally looked like they had been placed there they were kind of almost touching so amanda had her arms just by her side but sabrina had her right arm resting on her chest and their hands the their free hands were almost touching each other now, both of them had some kind of reddish-brown liquid coming from their mouths, which, of course, they assumed was blood. Uh, she said that their bodies were ha- there were their bodies were cold, and their hands and noses had started to turn blue. Ambulance paramedics, of course, arrived just seconds later, but se- seventeen minutes after Valerie had shown up at the home, they put an end to the CPR and um, had to declare that they were deceased investigators including the paramedics thought like right away that this was a suspicious death but there were no signs of any injury on the girls but they knew that like two otherwise healthy young girls don't just drop dead and at the same time they also of course are suspicious of where's Adele so they knew that this was going to be a homicide and their prime suspect was Adele and so they issued an arrest an arrest warrant right away, um, fearing that she might have also gone on the run like her husband had. In the middle of that night, a call came in about a single vehicle accident in another part of Laval. And Adele was found in that car and it had smashed into a light pole. Now there was significant damage to the driver's uh, sort of to the front and then the driver's side of car, but she hadn't suffered any real serious injuries so she was taken into custody charged with two counts of first degree murder and then of course questioned now Adele was really calm throughout this whole ordeal and just 
She even refused to acknowledge that her kids were even dead, even after being shown photos of their body on the floor, still in their school uniforms, with their blouses opened, with these electrodes still attached to their chest from the paramedics' unsuccessful attempts to restart their hearts. Of course I'm worrying about how you feel now, because I find it a little bit strange that you're not upset. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans, a show about interesting and quirky human behavior. We bring humor, empathy, and warmth to topics such as relationships, dating, work, self-compassion, weddings, phobias, aging parents, travel mishaps, death, and many more. Ever wonder what happens at a cuddle party? We talk about it. Free-range kids in restaurants? We've got some thoughts. Bedtime stories for adults? We're on it. Light, fun, unscripted conversation and personal stories. Please join us by clicking the link in the show notes. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Well, I'm being accused, which is, anyways, like I said, I reserve the right to remain silent, so. No, 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 okay, that's okay, but I just find it strange that you're not upset by, by all what's going on right now. I find it very strange to be in this situation. You so do? I don't know what to think of it. I'm just trying to stay calm. <laughs> Why do you use the word strange? It's... Because I have an accident, the next thing I know, I'm here. So. Okay, but you're not here because of the accident. Anyways, I refuse to, you know, I'm just regaining what my lawyer said. Yeah, but you, you got me worried now. I have to make sure that you understand why you're here. Do you think you're here because of the accident? No, I don't know why I'm here. They're telling me it's because something happened to my kids. So I'm saying... Anyways, that's it. Okay, but do you believe that? Right now, like I said, I'm just staying calm and I'm waiting for to go to court tomorrow and following my lawyer's advice. That's it. But do you believe what I told you? No, I don't believe what you're saying to me, so... Okay, you don't believe me. No. What do you believe? What I believe. <laughs> Which is? Like I said, I'm do, here do, right now and do you believe, I go to court. Do you, believe, do you believe that your daughters are alive? Yes. So, but, I'm but, staying calm. I have the regret to inform you that they're dead. Both of them. No, they're not. So? Not only that they are deceased, both of them. 
but you are under arrest for killing them. I'm their mother, so... I know. That's why it's so difficult. What is the machine uh, for pressure? What do you use it for? Pressure tank. What do you use it for? That's Sabrina for her arthritis. She needs it for arthritis? She has uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. We were able to get rid of it because of it. It works? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have to take steroids or any of that stuff. So it's done very well for her. She's grown a lot. She's become, yeah. So she did very, very, very well. Okay, and uh, for treatment, how many times a week or? Um, now it's only like once a week. I haven't done it in over quite a long time. Because she doesn't need it? No, she's in remission. Okay. So she's doing very well. She's grown four inches. She never gains weight, but she's grown. So. Does she have to take medication? No, no more. So you can do it from time to time and it's still going to work? Yeah. yeah. How long has it been without uh, using it? I don't know, six, eight months. Oh, before Christmas? Yeah. That's good. That's very good. Is it painful when she used that? No. No? It's just uh, raise the pressure and that's it? That's it. Do you have to follow a course to operate that machine? No, it's a friend. She shows me how to do it. So. Right. Is it complicated? No. No? It must be expensive though. It's worth it for your kids. Yeah. For six, it's, it's yeah. worth it. It's better than giving them medication. It's something that she can grow out of. Well, you know, better for her. So. Yeah. How we would do anything for our kids. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. We want the best for them. Yeah, we do. Everybody's going to think that you couldn't bear the fact that they would be happy without you. They're going to say that. And that's why you killed them. People won't realize that they are your daughters and that uh, you couldn't stand to be part of them if they were with somebody else. So what's going to come? There's going to be a lot of disapprobation on what you did and a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of anger at you. You're going to have to face that. I'm just warning you in advance. You just have to keep focused on the reason why you did it. This is your strike. You disagree? You do disagree. You're difficult to read, but now you disagree with what I'm saying. Why? You can tell me. Don't be afraid. I won't get mad. Why do you disagree with what I just said? People have the right to think whatever they want. Doesn't mean it's true or not true. It's their perception or what they think. That's Doesn't exactly. mean it's what it is. So, it's all. probably not. Also, I'm going further than you. It's probably not. Well, it doesn't I'm matter. They already decided that that's what it is. So, it doesn't matter what you say or what you do. Sorry. I know. But there's one thing that we need an explanation on. Let me talk to my lawyer. Look at that. This is the truth. These are your daughters. Something brought you to do that to them. How can we explain this? How is it possible that you brought your brother to see this? You send it home, knowing you will find this. Why weren't you there? How can you explain that this could happen? What in your life brought you to that?
we have to explain this. Look at that. You gave them life. You brought them up. They trusted you. Can you still say it's not true? How come you don't want to explain that? How come you don't have any reaction? How come you can look at that? I'm not saying anything. This is the truth. This is reality. This is what happened. This is how you left them. This is Sabrina and Amanda. And you left them there to be found by your brother. Your brother had to try to revive them. Because he loved them. You owe him an explanation why he had to do that. Why is the one who had to call the police? The ambulance. Why is he the one who had to save them? And he was not able to. Why you weren't there? Why did you leave? Why did you leave them there, alone? You told me you loved them. You left them alone. You don't even react to that. You deny this, you flee this. What are you doing? Okay. I don't believe that's them on the floor. Sorry? Did you say that? You don't believe that's them on the floor? Just leave them like that, yeah. Okay. Who do you believe it is? I don't know, tell me. Let's play that game. No, I'm not playing the game. That's not them on the floor. Okay. We took what? Actors? I'm going to think of my kids. I'm going to choose to think of my kids. And you see them all? I just want to go back to myself. Okay, but we took actors to do that? Is that what you think? We put them on your living room floor? Same build? Same hair? Same face? and said, pretend you're dead? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying anything. Yeah, you said, I don't believe that's them on the floor. You said that. I'm not saying anything. Did you look at those pictures? Didn't you recognize Sabrina and Amanda? Want to take another look? I don't want to see any pictures. Okay. Flat. But you're not serious when you say I don't believe that's them on the floor. I just want to go back to my cell. Okay. I know that. Okay, so that's it. I know that. There's no more picture I can show you if you choose not to believe. I'd like to know how we manage that. How is it possible? There's no logic in what you're saying. Do you know what day it is today? Yes, I do know what day it is. Okay, tell I'm me. I'm not answering anything. Okay, because you don't know. Today is the 1st of April. And you seem to think it's April Fool's Day. You believe what you want. Adele to this day has never admitted to remembering anything about that day past saying goodbye to her mom and then waking up in this in her wrecked car. And they still don't know how the girls died, but we're not going to get any information out of further questioning of Adele. She was asked several times if her car crash was a suicide attempt, but she says she doesn't recall having suicidal thoughts that day. 
um, although I thought she said she didn't recall anything, and that she wasn't suicidal at that point in time. But she did admit that a blackout like that has never happened to her before or since the day that her children were killed. So that investigation was going to have to continue without a confession from Adele or any input from her as to what happened that day or why she would kill her daughters um, when she, before that, had been quite devoted to them. Initially, they thought that maybe the girls had been, like, poisoned or drugged. So the police collected anything around the house that they thought could have been injected, ingested, inhaled, anything like that. An initial autopsy had suggested that they might be drugged, but a second autopsy, I've never really, I don't know why there was a second autopsy done, but maybe the first one they, or maybe one was done and the prosecutor didn't like it, so they ordered a second one. But anyways, the second autopsy ruled out um, that there was any chemicals or toxic, any toxic household items, nothing like that. No traces of drugs or medications in their system. They also ordered some tests on Adele's clothes herself. She was wearing a blue Columbia vest. She had some blue leggings and white and blue Adidas um, to see if there was any. They were looking for any of the girls' fluids or something like that, or anything that looked like could have been blood from the girls on any of her clothing. Now, they did, they had found some dark stains on the blue play mats that were under, that the girls were laying on when they were found that was near their mouths, but nothing was ever used in court in connection with Adele's clothes, so obviously they didn't find anything. Now, a police photographer named Eric Koya came across a room that was adjacent to Sabrina's room. Now, and this is on the upstairs. So the playroom where they were found is on the bottom level, like the main level of the house. And on the upstairs, they found this box that was covered with a cloth hooked up to a bunch of mechanical pumps. Now, he didn't know what it was at first, but of course, it turned out it was this hyperbolic chamber that Joe had purchased for Sabrina. They ran every test known on it, looking for fibers, fluids, um, the girl's DNA, anything in it, on the uh, any traces from the fabric, inside the chamber, on the girls, all of it. Now, a pathologist named Carolyn Tangay, she felt that the girls had died of suffocation just from lack of oxygen and that maybe they had possibly been sealed together in this chamber. Now, the pictures of the chamber, this it doesn't look big enough to fit two people at the same time, but it obviously was because um, Joe who's a fair-sized man, would get into it with Sabrina. So it's obviously fairly big inside. So they think that the two of them were sort of sealed in there together until they ran out of air. But my question is, well, why then would they be found in the floor of the playroom? She testified later that it would have taken 90 minutes for them in there probably to run out of air, and then they would have lost consciousness first. And they didn't find any traces of the fabric from the inside of that chamber on any of the girls' clothes. I, like, if you were going to use this chamber to kill them, why would you take them out of there? And if you're taking them out of there because they accidentally got in there and, you know, you're in a panic, of course, it would be a completely different scenario as to how you wouldn't leave the house. You would call 911. Now we come to the security system that they had with all these cameras. Nothing is ever mentioned about that past the fact that they had these security this security system that they had argued about. And like I would think for sure with that many cameras, they would at least show some of the comings and goings on the outside of the house to try to match timelines. But they are never mentioned again, except that Eric, that police photographer, testified that he'd never seen that many cameras in one security system. So I guess that once Joe left, Adele turned them off and they weren't in use. But then if she was paranoid that people were watching them, you would think you would have them on and working and you'd be checking them. I don't get it. Another Eric, Eric Houdon, who's a forensic firearms and toolmark examiner, he analyzed the four locks on the main entrance, the patio door, and the door to the garage. And so there was two, the front door had two locks on it. So two locks on the main entrance, the patio door, and then that door to the garage. He explained later to a jury that there was 
several different ways that people can open a lock without having a key, and that he was so he was looking for any kind of signs of tampering, dents, scratches, scuff marks, and he says that he just he couldn't find anything to show that there had been any lock picking going on. So he never found any evidence that there was that anyone had come into the house. So although to this day the exact cause of the girl's death is still unknown. Um, they still felt like the police and crown prosecutor's office still felt that they had enough for Adele on Adele for a conviction. So she was detained after questioning and then ordered to undergo a 30 day psych assessment, which she did. She was found fit to stand trial now during her. And that was during her first court appearance in June, 2010, she was granted bail and then released while she was waiting for her preliminary trial to start, which started in August, 2010, And then after that, a trial date was set later. In the meantime, on October 5th, 2010, police got a tip that Giuseppe was hanging out at a local gym right there in Laval. So police arrested him outside the center body shop only a few kilometers from from Adele's house. They found that he was was armed at the time that he had been arrested and he had been living in St. Leonard with a woman named Gina Conforti, who was also charged with harboring a fugitive at that time, but I don't think anything ever came of those charges. They actually reopened Adele's preliminary hearing. Um, That's the hearing where they just hear if there's enough. They hear testimony and evidence to just see if there's enough to hold a a full trial. Um, They wanted to add Joe's testimony to it in January 2011. So Joe testified from a max security prison, which was just outside Quebec City, where he was serving his 15-year drug smuggling conviction after he had been arrested, after being found. Now, he didn't offer much in the way of evidence for or against Adele, uh, and his testimony only lasted about five minutes, but he did say that he blamed himself and that he could have been there and done something to help. But he confirmed that he had gone into hiding in Montreal and Toronto uh, in 2006 until his arrest and then admitted that he had spoken with Adele and visited, visited with her once or twice. And when asked how he had heard about his daughter's death, he said, like everyone else on the news, he said that he couldn't attend the funerals because he was still on the run. The initial trial, which didn't start until the end of April, 2013 ended with her conviction of first degree murder for Sabrina and Amanda's deaths. Her lawyers told the court that she was going to appeal right away and the prosecution didn't object to her being out on bail while she waited for the appeal. So the judge let her go under the conditions that she she had to put up a $25,000 like guarantee um, that she and she couldn't leave her home between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. and she couldn't leave Quebec or apply for a passport. So this was on June 24th of 2013. On July 8th, 2013, so two weeks later, prison guards found Joe unresponsive in his cell and tried to resuscitate him, but he was dead. There were no other signs of violence, but the autopsy revealed cyanide poisoning in his blood and stomach. In December 2017, after a successful plea for a second trial, she was again granted bail and freed to await a second trial. During that trial, which was in 2019, the crux of the Crown's case was that she was the only one that had the opportunity to murder her daughters, saying, quote, even though the exact cause of death is not known, the simultaneous and unexpected deaths of two girls who were in otherwise good health cannot be taken as a natural death. At that time, she was convicted of second-degree murder. At the sentencing, Superior Court Justice Sophie Bork quoted a letter that she had written to the court asking for forgiveness from Jesus and her daughters. She said, quote, I do not know what happened that day, and I deeply regret any involvement that I may have had with this terrible and horrible event. I also deeply regret not being there to protect you both, Amanda and Sabrina. Justice Bork, like without any formal cause of the girl's death, made it difficult to examine all of the circumstances so she's um, sentenced her to life with parole eligibility after 10 years stating quote this court believes that increasing the parole ineligibility would discourage people in the same situation as Adele Sorella to take the difficult road toward healing so she was transported directly from the courthouse to a detention center and is carrying out her life sentence 
Now, she, or, and was carrying out her life since. Then she again appealed. Now, this just happened in March 22 of this year. And the, Cor the Quebec Court of Appeal has now ordered a third trial for Adele on the grounds that Justice Borg refused to entertain even the idea that organized crime could have been involved in their deaths. And as a result, that impacted the juror's decision um, in her instructions to them. She has pleaded not guilty by reason of mental disorder. So I assume she's not saying that she didn't do it. She's just not responsible for it. But I have many questions. Like I want to know why, how they wound up on the floor. If, and if they were killed in this hyperbolic chamber, like why you would just leave them there? Why those cameras didn't pick up anything? Did they fully investigate? Could organized crime have been involved somehow in like some kind of backlash against Joe. I'm a, I have to assume that they went there because they're, they're definitely saying she did it. Um, and it's true. She did have the exclusive opportunity. Now in any of the you know, sort of where they've analyzed this case and stuff like that, there is, it's not an actual JCS psychology, but there's one sort of like that on YouTube. They are all ruling this like basically a revenge um, a revenge killing against Joe, um, like, like they do sometimes when there's an argument over custody. So I guess that that's what they're saying. That's the reason she killed her kids is that she was angry that Joe basically had, uh, picked up and started a new life on her. Just, but I, I just don't get it. Again, it just confounds me. Um, they, now they still, to this day, still don't know the cause of death for the girls. Now, Joe's death was officially ruled a, um, suicide, but of course there were rumors that he was targeted by some of his former, former associates. So I don't know. I don't get it. But that was the bizarre murder of Sabrina and Amanda DeVito. I hope you will join me again next week for yet another case. Uh, I hope that you all have a wonderful week. Please do your rate, review, follow me on Instagram, all that stuff to just show your support. And thank you so much for listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.